0: The Apostle Paul kind of shares his heart as we look at this church. And and I want you to think just a minute, because sometimes when you announce a title, the heart of a spiritual leader, you might think, well, this isn't going to apply to me. Before we write that off, let me share with you just a few verses uh, from the Word of God in a a different passage. You're in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 Timothy 4. Paul told Timothy, be thou an example of the believer. In word and conversation, you're familiar with it. Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy 2. And and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Titus chapter 2, and the scripture tells us, what does it tell us? The older women are to teach the younger. Verse 3, the aged women of Titus 2, likewise that they be in behavior as become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Um, We look at this matter of spiritual leadership, and really a spiritual leader is somebody that takes someone from where they are to where God wants them to be. What does the scripture tell Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so when we think about it, we find many of us find ourselves in the position of leadership. It may not be spiritual leadership, but we uh, find ourselves in a position of leadership sometimes by default. How many of you are an older sibling? Okay. Uh, you, You... Some of you, of course, are out of the home, and that's okay. You can still think about it. You might have a younger sibling somewhere you can still impact, but some of these guys still in the home, by the simple fact that you are an older sibling, you uh, are a leader by default. If you're a husband today, the Bible says you're to lead your home. And so as I thought about this, I thought a little bit, well, the heart of a spiritual leader, okay, we're going to look a little bit at a pastor's heart for people. But really the reality is we should really be looking at the heart that we ought to have for other people as we help people in the sphere of our influence to go from where they are to where God wants them to be. Shouldn't we be about that? Shouldn't we all be really about discipling others? And uh, so I want to read... Uh, 10 verses in this letter. We'll begin at verse number 1. We'll read to verse number 10. 11, 12, and 13 is really a prayer, and we'll look at that, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday night. Uh, But really, as we look at uh, 1 through 10, we really see the apostle's heart. He was a church planner, but it wasn't just, I see them saved and goodbye so long. He had the care of the churches. His heart was for people. And uh, so let's look at the scripture tonight. And then I want to answer this question here. What does the heart of a spiritual leader look like? Verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity... And that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for meeting with us as we sang together and worshiped you through song. Lord, as we encouraged one another through our fellowship and handshake time. And now, Lord, as we gather around your word, I ask that you would do what only you can do, and that is speak to our hearts. Lord, would you give us your heart for other people? Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, when we find ourselves uh, being reminded again of something, last week we looked at Paul's love for this church here, and, and he's sharing about more love. And when we find ourselves in a study like this, and we find ourselves being reminded of similar things, we have to say, okay, the Lord knows then that we must need this. And so I want you... I'll give you a few thoughts. What does the heart of a spiritual leader look like? Number one, the obvious, a caring heart, a caring heart. If you look at verse one of our text, he says this, when we could no longer forbear, the uh, word forbear means to put up with or to endure. Paul obviously was separated from this church. He could no longer endure the distance from these people. He wanted to know where they were spiritually. He hadn't known, and obviously, he cares so much about this church. It seems that he's more concerned about their spiritual well-being than he is his own physical well-being. He cared so much that he was willing to stay at Athens alone by himself. Now, remember, Athens was a place where he saw the city. It was wholly given to what? Idolatry. And yesterday in our training time for uh, uh, a visitation, we talked about building bridges with people and making connection, finding some things that are similar. And the Apostle Paul shows up in Athens and he sees this, this altar to the unknown God and he goes, hey, great, this is great. And he says, I'm here to talk to you about this God right here, the unknown God, build a bridge to help people. But here he's willing to be in Athens uh, alone. Why? Because he cared so much that he chose, hey, it would be better for me to stay here and send Timothy to check on this church in Thessalonica. Uh, The word left is a word that means to abandon or forsaken. And uh, he's using some strong language here as we think about that. Uh, And let me ask you this question as we think concerning people. How much do you really care about people? You ever talk to somebody and you say, hey, how's it going? And they talk for 10 minutes and they never ask you, how's it going or how are you doing? You you ever know people, they call you up on the phone and they say, hey, and they just talk. (laughs) They they basically say this, you didn't call and ask how I was doing, but I'm calling to tell you how I'm doing. And they just tell you. (laughs) You know, you can tell if you care or how much you care By how often you find yourself asking others, how are you doing? Um, Sometimes we go to people, and and we shouldn't. Young people are really good at this. Um, They go to their parents when they need something. And saying, hey, mom, dad, I just came in to chat. You know, parents have to pick themselves off the floor. Give me the smelling salts. What? What? just to chat about how much money you need, how much you need the car. Um, caring. In Paul's case, he cared enough to follow up with them. The Bible tells in Galatians 6 that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I thought there are four characteristics we want to look at this evening. And when I thought about how do I illustrate this, My mind, as I went to each characteristic, went to a story in the Word of God where I see the Lord Jesus illustrating this. So I want you to turn to John 8, and we're going to look at four illustrations in the life of the Lord Jesus as we look at four characteristics of a spiritual leader, of someone that has a spiritual heart for others. Uh, John chapter number 8, you're familiar, you'll be familiar with all of these illustrations. I thought about this story as uh, concerning the heart, the heart of love that the Lord would have uh, for others. The Bible says in verse 2 of John 8, And early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Here's a bad woman, and she did a bad thing, and they want justice, and Moses in the law commanded that we should stone this woman, what do you say? And they were tempting him, that they might have accused him, but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, and he said, he is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. He stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, being convicting of their own conscience, they went one by one, beginning at the Elvis, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus lifted himself, and saw none but the woman. He says, Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What do we see? We see the compassion of the Lord Jesus for a woman. By the way, we see the compassion of the Lord Jesus throughout the whole Bible. We see him meeting the needs of people that come, and we see him uh, uh, helping them physically, and we see him helping them spiritually. We see them helping them in every aspect. This woman's a sinner. She comes to him, and Jesus is compassion. His has compassion on the multitudes we read in the Word of God. Compassionate Savior. Care if we love God as we ought to, it will produce a love for people. You see, why is that? Because when I love someone, what's important to them becomes important to me. By nature, we're all pretty self centered, by nature, we want what's in it for me. And if there's nothing in it for me, then I don't really know that I want part of it. As we look at spiritual leadership, we recognize that God wants me to help people to be from where they are to where God wants them to be. And it's going to start with an unconditional love for people. You see, we sometimes, our love is conditional. Christ's love was unconditional. And the Apostle Paul says to this church at Thessalonica, Hey, I was there. I was there for three weeks and I had to leave because the mobs came in and I had to leave. And I'm wondering as I'm leaving, I'm wondering as I'm going about my day, I'm wondering as I find myself in Athens, how's this church doing? I care about these people. He didn't have cell phones. Pick them up. By the way, we have cell phones and ways to communicate that we care. I hope we communicate that we care. But he did. He didn't to pick up a landline and say, hey, how you doing, church? No, it's, it's a burden on his heart. And finally he says, Timothy, <clears throat> you go check on this church, and I'll stay here in Athens. A caring heart. Number two, I want you to see a committed heart. Verse number two, he sends Timotheus, uh, our fellow, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel to establish, the word means to strengthen or to help make firm their faith, to establish you and to comfort. Obviously, the aspect of comfort has the idea of to encourage them to live truth. So, to encourage them to believe God and for that faith, then to continue to work out in their life, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. There are two things he's concerned about. He's concerned, number one, about the afflictions because the persecution didn't just stop with Paul. You remember, they went to the house of Jason. They said, what in the world? You're part of this. Uh, and, and so the, this church would face then persecution The other concern he had was with the tempter. Remember the good old devil we read about, we talked about last week, verse 5, that lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. The word moved means to be shaken, to be disturbed. It's a term that I'm told that they used to use to describe a dog wagging its tail. And you see, how does that factor in here? Well, when a dog wags a tail, it's often to gain something. dog wants something. It's wagging its tail. And his concern was, I don't want anyone or anything to lure the Thessalonians away from the truth. Persecution, affliction, trouble, sometimes when we see it coming, we run the other way. (laughs) Affliction, trouble, persecution can be that which causes us to doubt the Lord, to doubt what God's doing. And Paul said to them, by the way, he said, I told you this, uh, 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 verse 4, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation." So I told you in advance that you're going to suffer. But again, he's away from them, recognizing, hey, they're facing persecution. Obviously, Paul was familiar with the work of the devil, right? The devil's trying to get them to to deny truth, right? The God of this world blinds the minds of them which believe not. The devil tries to get us to doubt the truth of the word of God. Like he said to Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, have Satan said. So he's concerned about two things that obviously can derail us even today, affliction, persecution, tribulation, and the devil trying to snatch the seed of the word of God away. And he's committed then to see this church go forward with with truth, to be established, to be firm. And sometimes... uh, we need to check what kind of a burden do we have our burden ought to first of all personally be to go all the way with god and by the way if we're burdened to see other people go all the way with god we got to be willing first ourselves to say i surrender all take my life and let it be uh, when the kids were younger i would pray and i would uh, Lord, help them to see the need and I, to go forward. And I had to come to grips with the fact that they're, if they don't see Christ in me and a burden for me to, to go forward and see God work, it's not going to happen in their life. The devil's quick to try to derail people uh, spiritually. And uh, we need to have a burden to see people go all the way with God, to be committed to see them through. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 17, put your, hold your place in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I thought uh, there's so many illustrations we could use concerning Christ's desire to see the disciples go all the way through. Um, He uh, had to put up with the disciples on many, uh, an occasion. I think about the chapter there in Mark 4, where he's asleep and the storm comes, they wake him up, don't you care, (laughs) where's your faith? I remember when he said to the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, uh-oh, he's talking about their teaching, their doctrine. And the disciples are thinking about bread. And they, they consider not, the scripture says, the loaves. I mean, these disciples, you know, it's interesting because we laugh at them, but then I have to say, well, I'm kind of dense myself sometimes. The Lord's trying to tell me things, and, and he's trying to get it through. Um, the aspect of patience Matthew chapter 17, um, uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, this man, verse 14, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and, and oft into uh, to the water. Got it, probably got maybe epilepsy. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How long shall I suffer? Hey, he's got patience in helping the disciples to go from point A to point B. It's a process. Do you know what? When you got saved... You didn't start reading the Bible. Maybe you did, but you, you, I, I'm sure you didn't start soul winning and reading the Bible and praying and fasting and tithing. And It was a process. You got saved and you recognized, wow, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm not going to hell. That's glorious. And then you realize God wants a relationship with me. And as you walked with God and as people were patient with you, you recognized, hey, I need to make this change. That aspect of being committed Hey, if you're a parent here today, parenting is probably one of the hardest jobs on the planet. Except for kids, people that don't have kids. They're, they're the best parents, right? Because they haven't been there. <laughs> I talked about that last week. It's a process. There's a lot of apologies and a lot of, it's a process. But look, we have to be committed to seeing people go all the way. With God. Number three, a caring heart. Paul wanted to see this church go all the way through with God. A committed heart. He sends Timothy and says, Timothy, go check on them. They're facing afflictions and that can derail them. Uh, The devil wants to to try to derail them. By the way, let me just tell you this we're all in this together. We face afflictions, we face persecutions. The devil wants to sift all of us as we. That's why it's important for us to be committed to each other. How you doing? Hey, you mentioned this prayer request. How's it going? I'm praying for you. Those things can go a long way in helping people to be established, right? Uh, As the Apostle Paul was talking about with regards to this church. Number three, a Christ-like heart. A Christ-like heart. Timothy comes back, verse 6 He came back from unto us, and he brought them good tidings. Now before I go any further, let me just stop and ask this question. What is good news to you? What would cause you to pick up the phone and to call your spouse, or you're at work, or to call your mom, or to call your kids, and to say, hey, I have good news for you. Most of what we would put in that category of good news, right? Would be maybe some financial (laughs) blessing. I got good news for you. The check came in the mail, right? Or something that had to do with uh, finances, or I got a promotion, or I got a raise, or I hit it big, or... The Apostle Paul got good news from Timothy, and it centered around... That which should encourage us, which is why I use specifically a Christ-like heart. What causes God to rejoice? Souls being saved. Souls being saved. People moving forward in their work will walk with the Lord. And that which brought joy to the Apostle Paul is the same thing that would bring joy to Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 15 and verse 10. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Let me let me go back to the text and give you Paul, and then we'll expound a little bit. He says, Timothy brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have a good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. There was joy, there was excitement. Paul was excited with their genuine faith. I had Brian give the testimony tonight, not because it was some spectacular. You, you may be sitting there. Hopefully you weren't sitting like a well, I let someone look Christ's on me. I had him give the testimony because it's relative to what we're talking about tonight. You see, what brought Paul joy, the good news, was that God was continuing his work in the people in the church at Thessalonica. Over here, he was burdened about it, and he can't call him, and he doesn't know. And so he's just, I care about these people. Timothy, I'm committed. I'm committed. I want you to go, and I want you to try to encourage and support. And Timothy spends time with him and comes back to Paul and says, this church is doing great. And Paul gets word of it. By the way, they, they desire to see, greatly desiring to see us. You know it's the real deal when they're excited to see the preacher. They want to see Paul. Paul wants to see them. You know, sometimes the preacher comes and they (laughs) go the other direction. Oh, the preacher's here. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Hey, God's working. And Paul is rejoicing at their genuine faith. Look at what he says here in verse 7. Brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Hey, your faith... Your believing God is a source of encouragement to us in our time of affliction. You know, God gives each of us challenges, and we walk through these challenges together. Somebody over here might be going through it, and they look over here and they say, wow, I remember that guy when he was going through it. And look, they're rejoicing, and, and wow. And that's an encouragement to me. By the way, sometimes I, I, I think, we think maybe a guy over here, they got it all together. Nobody has it all together. Nobody on this planet has it all together. We all have challenges. And as you walk through a challenge and believe God in the midst of that, God will use your testimony to encourage someone else. And Paul was encouraged with his church. And look at this phrase here in verse 8. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. If you stand fast in the Lord, your standing fast, your walk with God gives me life. It gives me a renewed joy it gives me a vision. Can I say it like this way? In every church, I'll be real generic here. <laughs> in every church, there are people in that church that keep the pastor going. In every church, there are members of that church that keep those other members going, not because you're preaching something per se, but because you're living something, and there's an encouragement, and there's a joy, and there's an excitement with what God is doing. Yeah, you know, I, and I, I'm not trying to give Brother Talbot a big hit, but last night when I got his, oh, I think it was yesterday, I don't know when it was, days run together, when I had this Brian, led some, this is awesome. This is encouraging. You know what that causes me to do? That causes me to say, hey, we can all win somebody to Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying to this church, by you living and walking with God, you are energizing me to continue doing what I'm doing. Boy, that's Christ likeness. 3 John verse 4 I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Turn to Matthew 8. Alright, we got one more point. We might go over time a little bit. We're looking at Jesus now. Matthew 8. How would you like to have Jesus to look at your life Actually, I just lost First Thessalonians. So I've got to get back there. All right, back. How would you like Jesus to look at your life and say, Wow, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Matthew 8 and verse 10. Actually, let's, let's just back up and get a running start. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no not in Israel. Saying, wow, this centurion has faith. Believes me. Number four, and we're finished. Number four is a connected heart. A caring heart, a committed heart, a Christ-like heart. What rejoices Paul is what rejoiced God but a connected heart. Look at what he says here at the end. He says this, For what thanks can we render to God again? He's giving God the glory for God working in their life for you. For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Hey. He recognized that God was the key component in the church of Thessalonica. You see, Paul had given the gospel, seen them saved. He left, but he didn't just leave them. He left them in the hands of God. And God continued the work that he started Hey, being confident of the very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he says to this church, hey, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith, that we might continue to see you to be what God wants you to be. If we're going to be a spiritual leader, we're going to help people to go from where they are to where God wants them to be, we're going to have to be earnest in prayer for them. That God would do that work. He's able, Paul said to Timothy, to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Prayer moves God's hand. Let me show you the example of Jesus, John chapter 17. John 17 will show you the example of Christ and we'll be finished. In John 17, we really see the Lord's Prayer. The model prayer is uh, the one you, you find there in, I think it's Matthew 7, Our Father which art in heaven. In John 17, verse 1, these words speak Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. All right, He's actually praying. And in this chapter, he prays for you. See what? Praise prays for me. Look at verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into this world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through through truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word God wants us to be in the world but not of the world I tell you one of the greatest things you can do for any Christian anyone you're burdened about is pray for them you ought to pray for your kids every day you ought to pray for people in the sphere of your every day you ought to pray for people in our church I give you copies of the directory Pray for them on a regular basis. My goal is to pray for everybody every day. I'd say it's a goal. That doesn't mean it happens. I wish it happened. I wish I could stand here and tell you I do. All right? But the reality is prayer is what changes people. And I know, I'm sure, the Apostle Paul, when he was separated from this church at Thessalonica, night and day we're praying and we're asking God to work on your behalf. Adornaim Judson labored diligently for six years in Burma before he baptized a convert. It's a long time. (laughs) Hey, he had God's heart for people. At the end of three years, he was asked what evidence he had of ultimate success. He replied, quote, as much as there is a God who will fulfill all of his promises. God used him in such a great way. Hundreds of churches and thousands of converts were a result of the ministry there in Burma. A spiritual heart for people. How much do you care about others? Check your to-do list, and figure out where others are on the list, and that'll be a good indicator. How committed are you? I, I tell you this, you know this. People are work. <laughs> they love you today. I-, I I think it was one of the evangelists. Somebody came in here. And they ask, you see, what is the biggest challenge? What is the greatest joy of ministry? People. And people say, what's the biggest challenge of ministry? People. (laughs) They love you today. They hate you tomorrow. They're up and down. We're all. But God's heart is for people. And we've got to be committed to people. We've got to be Christ-like in rejoicing over what really matters. And we need to be connected to the one that's going to make the difference, and that is God. We impact eternity when we impact people. We lay up treasures in heaven when we use our life to pour into the lives of people. That nice brand new car is going to burn. Ain't going up to heaven there with you. Uh Uh-uh. I'll tell you this. You lead somebody to Christ, they're going there with you. You'll be thankful for every person you led to Christ, you get to heaven. Yep. I'll come up and give you a big hug and say thank you for putting your time where it really matters. Lord, thank you for the Apostle Paul's love and care for people. Lord, I ask that you would help us to see ourselves as spiritual leaders, to see ourselves as whoever we influence to help them from where they are to where God wants them to be. That might be they need saved. It might need me be they need uh, just encouraged. It might be, Lord, that they need some more earnest prayer Lord, we can't have a heart for people without you. When you saw the multitudes, you were moved with compassion. Lord, break our hearts. Lord, I wonder how long it's been since we've shed a tear over another person. Lord, people need you. Lord, I pray that we would be a conduit of your love to one another. And to others outside of here. Would you work now, Lord, in this time of invitation? Draw us to you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the piano to just play. If God's working in your heart, I'm going to ask you to get up and come forward and let's do some business with God. Do you have a heart for other people? Maybe you need to be more earnest in prayer for your wife. Maybe you need more earnest in prayer for your children. Let's do business with God. We can make all the money in the world. not going to do anything for us. We don't lay up treasures in heaven. She plays the second stanza. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let God work in your heart. If you're praying and you need to stay seated, that's fine. Maybe you just need to say, God, would you give me a heart for other people? God will do it. You say, how do you know? I was a 20-year-old or so young man... Entering the ministry, I said, oh God, I need a heart for people. I still ask God to give me a heart for people. One more stanza. One more stanza. Turn to 160. We'll sing one stanza and then we'll be dismissed. Sing the first stanza is the last. How I praise thee. Let's ask God to help us to be a channel through which he can flow to others. Sing it on the first. How I praise Thee, precious Savior, that Thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me. That I... Sing it out to the Lord now. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all Thy one. Flowing through us, Thou canst use us every day and hour. You know what's precious to God? People. And God has a precious one over here that's precious to Him. And He says to you and me, Hey, I, I want to use you to help this person here. Wow. It's amazing. He uses us let's let them use this this week alright grab some gospel tracks on the way out and uh, if you need another directory I'll give you one and let's be